Hi guys, this is Nick from Soya Chin Chow, and today we're on our episode of LTA. Uh, we're going to talk about something a little bit different, and it's going to be a special episode because we have a very special guest. Uh, he's the co-founder and CEO of OpenSignal, a company that does mobile insights and analytics on wireless connectivity. So um, please welcome uh, Mr. Brendan Gill, who is the CEO of OpenSignal. Hi, thanks for having me. Great Hi. to meet you, Nick. So um, first up, we just want to know a little bit about OpenSignal and how it works. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so OpenSignal's goal is to be an independent source of data on connectivity. Um, so we measure the connectivity of mobile networks, what kind of coverage they provide, what kind of speed, what kind of video experience, etc. And we publish that data openly, transparently, so people can understand what kind of experience they can expect and potentially which is the best provider for them in the particular area that they live in. Um, and that also adds, it raises um, transparency to connectivity which drives improvements and we work with the operators as well in Malaysia and, and in the rest of the world in terms of actually improving connectivity and driving a better experience for everyone. So how is that different from what uh, some of your competitors do, something like maybe Ookla or Fast.com? So how does OpenSignal do their uh, research any differently from those providers instead? Yeah, the, there's some overlap, but there's actually some pretty big differences as well. Um, I'd, I'd summarize just a few of them. Okay. I think one, a, a big focus for us is really on measuring the experience that typical people get, not just the best case performance of the network. Um, so we do things like we test the end-to-end -end experience, so directly from your device all the way to the content that you're accessing. Whereas some of those providers focus just on testing to a dedicated server, which is giving you a sort of best case picture of performance. So that's one difference is really looking at things end-to-end. -end. The second is what we measure, and we actually believe that things like speed is an important indicator. Um, but it doesn't, it's not the be-all and end-all. Speed isn't the only thing when it comes to having a good connectivity experience. Mm. We think, you know, people do many things with their device and we like to measure each of those individually. So we also, for example, measure video experience. And we actually look at when you access videos on things like YouTube, what kind of experience do you get? Is it fast to load? Does the video stall? What kind of quality do you get, et cetera, et cetera and we provide independent data about that, which is pretty unique. No one else is providing that. And the final part is just the, the principles by which we run our business. And we've actually been very vocal. It's really important that this data is completely independent and trustworthy. And as a consumer or as a business or as a government, you know that the data you're, you're using is accurate. So we've gone on the record and put out our independence charter so everyone claims to be independent, mm. we really mean it, and we've gone on the record with the principles by which we hold ourselves to. And that's things like we are completely independent of outside interests. Um, we publish our data on a regular schedule. Every six months we release the latest data in Malaysia. Um, we'll never change that, whereas a lot of the other guys are really um, pay for play. Mm. And if, if they're getting paid to say something, then they'll maybe go about doing that. We would never do that and we have um, very strict principles around that. We also apply a single methodology globally and we never ever customize that or change that. It's just one sophisticated methodology that we use 
um, and stick to it. So there's a whole bunch of things there, but those are probably the key mm. differences. So you mentioned that in terms of uh, being trustworthy and being transparent, that mm. that's uh, what it was something that really sets OpenSignal apart from mm. some of the other companies that do mobile analytics. So imagine that you're talking to a layman, how would you explain this transparency? How does someone who's just installing the OpenSignal app on their phone, how do they understand that this is truly independent as opposed to maybe mm. uh, someone else? Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, it's some of those things that I mentioned. It's that we are, firstly, we're, we're clear about what we mean by that. Mm -hmm. So we have a full um, definition of, you know, many, many different principles that we always stick to. Um, we also do things like um, we stick to regular sample periods. So every report we have, the sample period is predictable. It's always the three months running up to that report, and we never customize that because what you can do is effectively cherry pick results mm -hmm. if you change the period of time that you're looking at. Again, we would never do that. Mm -hmm. um, we've also developed a sophisticated methodology. And actually what's really important is not just the data that you're collecting, we think that's only part of it, but actually the analysis on top of that data mm -hmm. is just as important. You can get any data set to come to any conclusion if you um, skew it in certain ways, analyze it in different ways, filter it differently. So the analysis that you put on top is really important. Um, and we do things like every user that we collect data from has one vote on the, the final result that we will pull out. Mm -hmm. So it can't be skewed by certain users who are using the app more than others or are more active. That would never impact our data. But again, not every provider has the same sophistication of analytics as well as just the, the raw data collection. Speaking on that, we have actually had some local telcos mention that OpenSignal may not be as widely used, at least in Malaysia, as something like Ookla is. So do you think that would affect the readings in any way for Malaysian, Malaysian results? Well, firstly, I'd say when, when, when you're in the business of independently and very transparently mm -hmm. publishing data, um, there's always likely to be some pushback on that. Yeah. We're, not, we're not in the business of just saying nice things. We are putting out the truth about networks. And so often there's some pushback if, uh, if the results aren't what suits everyone's mm -hmm. agenda. Um, but we've actually got a track record of around the world where this has happened by working through explaining our methodology, our approach, and showing that we're independent, transparent, and that our methodology is trusted by institutions globally, we can turn critics into supporters and have done that many times around the world. So um, I expect that situation is constantly evolving. Mm. In terms of the specific point about sample size, we have more than enough data in Malaysia to be statistically relevant. Um, we have, in our last report, I think there was almost a million different users across the country had contributed data in some way to the, to the measurement. So this is one of the largest independent studies ever carried out in Malaysia. Um, and billions of data points collected. So a really vast sample size. And what we do is for every conclusion we come to, we actually publish what's known as the confidence intervals of that result. Mm -hmm. So when we say this is the score, this is the speed, this is the video experience, we show how confident we are in that result, which is actually the standard scientific way of doing this. So we follow standard statistical principles in order to show that you can trust the data that we're putting out. Um, and like I said, it's more than enough 
data to come to, to those kind of conclusions. And so um, I encourage everyone to check the latest result and see mm. uh, how things stack up. Cool. So um, if you have about 1 million, um, you know, 1 million tests that you're using within your data, uh, would you say that a majority of that is confined to the urban areas in Malaysia or is it a fair spread across the whole Malaysia? Yeah, no, what typically happens is that we'll match population. Um, so we'll be, there will be more in, in the urban areas, but only in so much as there's more people there mm. typically, and it will be very representative of where people are. What we're trying to represent is experience of the people, yeah. and so all of our methodology is designed to be as reflective as possible of that population. And that's different to some, some traditional methods have looked at just measuring the network itself in isolation, things like drive testing. So believe it or not, the traditional way of doing this was actually sending cars around the streets measuring the network, mm -hmm. which is very difficult. Um, it's very slow and expensive. You're also only looking at roads and urban areas typically. With our approach, you're seeing a very broad spectrum across mm -hmm. the country, fully across Malaysia, um, and really matching where the population is. Okay, um, so when you mentioned that it's recorded in this way, are, is this data only recorded when you, know, you click on the test on your phone or is this also measured like in the background because you do give some permissions to the app when you download it? So is, how does it work in terms of that? Yeah, you read my mind, that was where I was gonna go next. Yeah. It's a really important point. So mm -hmm. we, um, we do allow people to take tests on demand, but actually the majority of our data is collected automatically by doing tests at random timed intervals. And that's actually really important to be representative of typical experience, mm -hmm. because if you're only testing when users choose to run a test, yeah. why do you choose to run a test? It's because you're usually having a problem with the network, or maybe you're showing off how fast your speeds are. Either way, when you've got a user choice involved, it's gonna be skewed yeah. in one way or the other. Um, and this is actually something that's been recognized by telecoms regulators around the world that automated testing is really the most reflective way to, to understand network experience. We also, another part of that is um, we also, in addition to the Open Signal app, which is free to download, uh, we also have another app called Meteor, which is also a different way of testing and giving you, helping you understand the information about your connectivity in simple terms. Mm -hmm. But we also partner with other apps and they can also measure connectivity through their apps as well. And what that means is not only can we collect even more data, but it's also totally representative of typical users. It's not just people who have downloaded the Open Signal app. Mm -hmm. um, it's a fully reflective set of users testing automatically at random points in the day when they're using their mobile device. So it's only through doing those things um, that we think you can be really representative. And again, that's not something a lot of the competitors do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry, so how does the Meteor app work since you said that that's something sure. that OpenSignal is doing as well? Yeah, so Meteor is, um, we launched it a little more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it, it tests the same things that OpenSignal does. It's just a different way of, of um, conceptualizing it. So when you run a test in the Meteor app, will actually explain what the speed you get actually means in terms of the other applications that you use. So we're really targeting people, if you don't know what 10 megabits per second versus 15 megabits mm. per second or what milliseconds and all these complicated technical terms mm -hmm. mean to you as a user, we make it simple. So instead of just saying your speed is 
10, we say, well, with Google Maps, you'd have a great experience. Maybe with um, HD video, you're gonna have a decent experience. And with email, you're gonna have a fantastic experience. So I like to think of it as a, my mom's not technical. I like to think of it as a, uh, an app that my mom could understand her That's connectivity. Okay. Um, so it's really just helping people people understand some of these technical concepts a bit better. I see, okay. So Meteor has only started uh, a year ago. I think it's around, it might be two years actually, I see. but um, it's, it's newer than the Open Signal app, which dates back, um, I think, eight years now. Right. So speaking of Open Signal and how it started, you are the co-founder of Open Signal. So yes. how did that come about? Like what happened? Why did you start Open Signal to begin with? Yeah, so actually I had a, uh, founded another company prior to this, mm -hmm. uh, which was providing signal boosters. So if you had poor signal in your home or your office, you could purchase one of these physical products to boost the signal. Um, and it was through that experience, our customers were effectively people with bad signal. And we, were, we used to do our own tech support back in the day. You know, we'd answer the phone calls mm -hmm. on people, and people were really frustrated about what lack of connectivity meant to their lives. And they were willing to spend a lot of money on it, which really taught me it was a, <laughs> uh, a big problem to solve. Yeah. Um, so we learned about the problem, the demand for connectivity, how important it is to people's lives. And then as mobile was getting bigger and bigger, this is back in 2010, mm -hmm. um, some of the early versions of Android were out, we had the first iPhone, and we saw that was gonna be a big trend and that it was a way to capture and kind of quantify this problem about connectivity that we had previously been understanding. So it was the coming together of those two things that led us to build the app in the first place. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's really snowballed since then. Cool, um, so I think I read one of your studies on um, how speed itself is not the most important factor when it comes to measuring your experience or your video experience. So if you were to advise somebody what to look for, because I think in Malaysia, many of the telcos are prioritizing uh, primarily speed. Right. So in terms of that, what would you advise somebody who's looking for, for you know, a mobile line or anything like that? What is yeah. something that they need to consider besides speed? Yeah, so you point to a good, uh, a good point, which mm -hmm. is that speed has almost become the currency by which we talk about how good the network is when it's only one factor. Um, and you know, we've seen this in different industries where we focus on with cameras, it's megapixels. With CPUs, it used to always be the clock speed of yeah. the, 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 the computer, whereas there's many other parts that make something a computer fast. Um, so the same is true of mobile networks. Um, we look at video experience in particular mm -hmm. because that's the majority of traffic of data usage is actually video, and speed doesn't tell that picture. So the research we've just put out in Malaysia actually compares the picture on speed mm -hmm. and then video experience, and they're quite different. And so you wouldn't know which is the best video experience without looking at that directly. Because we see, I mean, I think we saw um, Maxis providing the fastest speed experience in our last report over Cellcom and the others. Mm -hmm. When it comes to video, Cellcom and Maxis are actually neck and neck. So yeah. it's very different. And the reason for that is that there are so many other things that go into having a good video experience. Um, you need things like low latency. Yeah. That's actually about how responsive the network is. And mm -hmm. when it comes to starting a video, that's, that's maybe a bigger factor than just the speed. Um, then you need, another issue with video is buffering. It's not so much that you need super fast speeds, but you need a consistent speed. 
so that you don't hit buffering and, and your video pauses. So consistency of speed is important. Um, and finally, video traffic is actually treated differently to typical traffic. A lot of the operators identify video traffic and they can manage it in different ways and there's all kind of techniques for um, managing traffic in different ways and ultimately unless you're looking at that directly you're not going to see that mm -hmm. picture. So that's why we've got this big focus on really looking at the actual um, way people are using the network through mm -hmm. video and, and benchmarking and providing that data back to consumers so they can make the right decision around which network would be best for them. So I think speaking of uh, how they manage video traffic differently, some of the telco providers in Malaysia, if I'm not mistaken, they actually cap uh, the video streaming at mm. standard definition. So mm. do you, that, is that something that affects your video experience metric in your studies as well, in terms of like the resolution you actually get? Yeah, so we'll, we'll certainly reflect that. If, there's, um, if, there's a, if the speeds are being artificially limited in some way, then that will be reflected because we're, we're going to capture that experience. Mm. This is what I mean by the difference between measuring experience and network performance or best case network performance. When it comes to experience, that can be many things from not just the network being part of it, but mm -hmm. these policies that are put on top. Um, it could be the device that you're using. Some devices perform better than others. Um, it could be how you use the network or where you use the network. Typically indoors, you often don't get as good a, a signal as outdoors, yet that's where we use our devices the majority of times. Um, will reflect that when it comes to experience what we mean is reflecting all of those different factors. Um, so we will, we will reflect those in our data um, and, and then it's down to operators to sort of make decisions around what makes sense or not. There can be good reasons to, to put policies on top. The theory is um, you know, operators are in a battle between mm. constantly rising demand and more data traffic and then trying to provide a good experience. And some of the policies are designed to balance demand and supply a little yeah. bit more. And some of that will actually lead to a better experience overall, which will reflect. But uh, if it's just being done artificially and limiting people, then we'll also reflect that. And consumers can know maybe they might want to choose a, a different provider if they want faster speeds. Yeah. So do you think that maybe the hardware that users use also has an effect on this as well? And in that sense, it could be a little bit skewed because maybe Telco One uses um, one line, but it could be a variety of different devices with different you know, hardware capabilities. And do you think that uh, in any, any way um, skews the results or affects the results in any way? Yeah, I, w I would agree. It affects the results, not skews the results. Mm. Yeah. Because, I mean, it depends what you're trying to measure. Um, and if you're measuring the experience yeah. of the users of that network, then it is affected by the choice of device. So you've absolutely got to reflect that. Um, we've actually published research on this recently that looks at the impact of device on the experience that you get. And indeed, you do see differences there. It's not always what you expect. It's not always the most modern devices that provide the best experience. Sometimes with the latest devices, the manufacturers are trying to cram as much as possible in a smaller and smaller space and actually leads to compromises and mm -hmm. um, different challenges. Um, but often there's improvements as well. So it is an important part of the experience. If you really want to understand what the typical experience is, then we think you've absolutely got to reflect that. And that's, that's our focus and that's what we mean by measuring the full end-to-end -end experience of the network. 
So if we had viewers that were thinking about this when they're looking for hardware, and you mentioned that a lot of phones are cramming more and more hardware into you know, a smaller device, into a smaller space, what is something that our, our viewers need to keep in mind when they're looking for a device and not just a mobile plan? Is that something that you can comment on? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, every device is different, mm -hmm. so there's not always a, a pattern between you know, a manufacturer or a particular model that can be up and down. Yeah. Each, each manufacturer is ones that perform better and perform worse. Um, I think it's a trade-off to, to what you want. You know, do you want the latest technologies as soon as they're available? 5G being an obvious one where people are going to have to buy a new device for. Mm -hmm. um, the first devices on the market will mean you get that experience before anyone else. Yeah. They always typically also have some drawbacks though in terms of you know, using more battery life because the technology is not being optimized as much. Maybe the antennas are crammed in and therefore the connectivity isn't as good as well. That could, there's always a trade-off. So what matters is how important it is it to you to have the latest technology and be able to show yeah. off that you're the early adopter versus maybe getting the, the most consistent performance that you could get. Speaking of 5G and 5G uh, enabled devices, uh, we don't have 5G in Malaysia yet, but how do you anticipate that's going to change the dynamic in terms of mobile connectivity in Malaysia? Yeah, I think 5G is, um, it's certainly got a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're in the stage where we've seen um, networks being launched now, um, not necessarily to a large scale. It's still really early adopter phases. Um, and whilst I think it brings a lot of potential, super fast speeds are being talked about, uh, super low latencies, which actually might be the most impactful thing um, because it's things like gaming or augmented reality and virtual reality, which really rely on latency more so than, than speed once you get up to certain speeds mm -hmm. um, that are going to be impacted. Um, there's a lot of potential by that. I think we're still waiting. There's still some, a lot of big unanswered questions about 5G. It's going to take a lot of investment by operators to really make happen. Uh, if, it's, if we're talking about a complete nationwide 5G experience, mm -hmm. and that's only going to happen if the demand is there. And the only way that will work is if people really understand what benefit is 5G going to mean to them and is it worth paying more for? Because unless people are willing to pay more for 5G, it's not going to be invested and rolled out in the same way. And I think we're still looking for some of those killer applications that will make it the must-have technology and mean that the typical person, not just the early adopters, will really invest in it and, and therefore bring it to the masses. So we'll have to see how that one goes to some extent. Do you think that that includes things like cloud gaming? I know Apple's, uh, or rather Google's coming up with Google Stadia and things like that. Do you think that's going to be uh, a major uh, player in terms of having 5G? Is that going to be a big factor? I think it's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah that's one of the, the primary things out of the potential things that 5G could bring that is real. Mm -hmm. There's clearly demand for it. There's a lot of uh, people really enjoy gaming. And with cloud gaming, you get things like flexibility, you know, subscriptions. It's more of a kind of Netflix model for gaming yeah. as opposed to um, the traditional ones, and, and that's powerful for people. Yeah. So the technology is still being built and needs to be there. I think that's the limiting factor in this case, but it's, uh, it's one with exciting potential to be able to just have any game at the end of your fingertips. Mm -hmm. We've seen how powerful that was for music, with Spotify, for videos with Netflix and YouTube, 
So having that for gaming would be um, potentially another revolution. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and do you think Open Signal is going to play a big part in terms of educating the public on what 5G can actually bring? Because I think what people actually think of now is just like, oh, 5G is just one more G than 4G. And uh, that's just what everyone is saying. So if it's not just about speed, uh, do you think Open Signal will play a role or, you know, independent analysts like Open Signal, will they play a big role in educating the public? on what 5G can bring. I think, so. I think we're, we're aiming to be a big part of it. Um, I think there is a communication challenge. Like I alluded, it's really important people understand the benefit they're gonna get. If they don't, it's not gonna take off and it's gotta be more than just another G. Um, some of the early advertising around 5G I think is quite limited. Mm. There's a lot of talk about how it's gonna be a revolution. It's gonna change everything, but it's not clear exactly what that means. I even saw one operator, which I won't name, they were talking about how 5G is going to make you live your life in real time. <laughs> um, I already thought I lived my life in real time, <laughs> and that's not so revolutionary. But these are the kind of things that are being said right now. So our approach is that um, we're measuring the things that you do on your device, like video experience. The, the actual, you know, what is, is watching a video going to be better with 5G? That's what's going to matter to people. We're measuring that. And that, I think, is going to give people a better context to, is 5G going to meaningfully increase or improve the experience that I'm getting? Um, and if, we, if it is, then we'll be communicating that, and, and that will hopefully lead to the demand that we need. So speaking about your studies or open signal studies in the Asian region, or specifically the Southeast Asian uh, region, how do you see Malaysia's 4G performance or general mobile connectivity performance in terms of the region comparatively? Mm. Yeah, I think we've, um, we, we've looked at this in a few different ways and we're always cautious about international comparisons. Every yeah. country is different, so it's not always an apples to apples comparison. Um, but we've seen, I think we've seen Malaysia somewhere in the middle of the pack. Um, on speed, it's been a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. On 4G availability, which is a measure of how much what proportion of time do I as an average user get connected to the 4G network and get a good experience, um, we've seen Malaysia more competitive when it comes to that. Um, so it's somewhere in, somewhere in the middle, I think, in, in some of the, the, the regional countries. Um, what I think is most exciting is what's going to happen looking forward. Mm -hmm. And actually, I've been very interested to see that the, the Malaysian government and the regulator here have a very strong digital agenda. Um, there's a lot of big plans being made in terms of the national broadband and fiberization yeah. plan. Um, some very ambitious targets being set and, and a lot of investment being put behind that, more so than, than we see in many parts of the world. So assuming that things, you know, the, the plans that are being made come to fruition, that could be really exciting going forward. And, and what we'll be looking at is, um, okay, here's the picture today, but what's going to happen in six months, 12 months, 24 months time? I think it's an exciting time in, in Malaysia. So you mentioned that we shouldn't be, it, it can't be an apple to apple comparison, right? But if OpenSignal is sort of a global standard and you use the same methodology for uh, all the tests that you do, wouldn't it be fair to assume it could be an apple to apple comparison? Well, it's certainly, the methodology is absolutely the same. Mm -hmm. um, the way we test is absolutely the same. Yeah. Um, but if you take one example, Malaysia and Singapore, mm. because we're measuring the typical experience, the, the populations, the distributions of people is very different. Singapore is a very dense, almost city-state kind of country. 
Malaysia is a much bigger territory with a lot of land in between it. Yeah. So the average experience you're going to see is very different. We see this in general, the average experience in a country versus an urban area, the main city, is always going to be different. So to compare Malaysia with Singapore, just mm -hmm. to use an example, would be like comparing a country with just a single city. So that's the sense I mean. It's still the, the data is absolutely the same, the methodology is the same, but what you're um, comparing populations across countries for any metric is always subject to these the differences in the underlying populations. So you foresee the connectivity or rather mobile connectivity in Malaysia improving uh, over the next few years? Or you know, just in your opinion, do you see it improving drastically over the next few years? Certainly, I think there's, there's a lot of potential. I think the operators have made a lot of improvements in recent times. Um, there's good competitiveness here and the government is really pushing this digital um, agenda and working on things like ensuring the barriers to improving connectivity are being removed. Um, there is also work on the price of connectivity and, and that's come down a lot in the last year. Prices have really dropped and it's something to watch because you don't get improvements without paying for them. Mm -hmm. that's, it, there is a kind of underlying equation so um, I think you know, people in Malaysia and indeed around the world need to make a choice between how much money do you want to save and how good, how important is connectivity to you mm -hmm. and how good do you want that to become? Because there is a, there is a trade-off between those two things. Right. So in terms of like telcos achieving like poor scores within the Open Signal reports in Malaysia based on uh, some of the recent uh, case studies that Open Signal has done, what do you think that can be done better by those telcos in terms of achieving a better score? And isn't like, because poor seems to be quite a subjective rating. So there doesn't seem to be so much of an analysis of what makes it what makes an experience poor. Uh, so in that sense, what can they do to improve, or, or what is it that can be done to improve these scores? Yeah, I think you're referring to our video experience metric yes. in particular, yeah. mm -hmm. um, which is actually based on a um, an underlying methodology from the ITU, which is the International Telecoms Union. Mm -hmm. um, and the way it's calculated is that we've we've looked at. Um, focus groups or, or the ITU have looked at focus groups of um, video experiences where people rate the quality of those experiences and then they correlate that with the technical KPIs like is the video stalling, how fast did it load and so on. So there's actually a scientific methodology linking the qualitative scores with the underlying technical data that we're measuring and that's how we get to that and it's not it's not an open signal definition it's a a standardized industry approach to it mm -hmm. um, in terms of making improvements it's the same things that we sort of talked about a little bit before but the um, the speed at which videos load is often down to the latency some of the ways operators can improve that is actually bringing the content closer to the consumers doing things like caching content within the local network. Right. So if you're watching a video, instead of that going to a server far away in the country or even internationally, it's actually ready locally for you to, to look at. So it's not, a lot of what you need to do is actually roll out new capacity, new cell towers, new coverage, yeah. or, or boosting the coverage that's already there. But it's also this end-to-end -end actually thinking about where the content is coming from and just intelligently bringing that closer and having it ready for the consumers. So as usual, it's a combination of things. It's never just one thing to make it easy. Yeah. 
since you've been in Malaysia. Is this your first time in Malaysia? Uh, no, it's not. It's actually, I think, my third time this year. I see. <laughs> have you been using any of our <laughs> 4G providers? I have. I'm regularly roaming, I think. Because I'm I roaming, oh, you're in, okay. I typically jump around between each of them. So which would you say gives you the best experience? Well, it's funny enough, these days, I, um, I have both an iPhone and an Android phone, mm -hmm. but they often don't, particularly the iPhone, doesn't really display the carrier very, um, very transparently anymore. At least <laughs> it's not on the immediate screen. Mm -hmm. So you actually, it's kind of interesting, you don't tend to look at one carrier versus another, it's mm -hmm. just this is your connectivity experience. So what about um, on your Android phone? Well, I, have, I guess I haven't looked at, but it, I mean, in general, I guess I get a picture of just the overall connectivity mm. whilst I'm here. And that, I, I'm pleased to say, has been good. Um, I would also say, um, in my, with my statistical open signal brain on, you should never trust an individual data point. <laughs> um, that's not statistically significant. Yeah. So you should disregard that particular experience okay, yeah. and look at the aggregated open signal results, which is based around hundreds of thousands and billions of data points. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's it for today's episode of LTA. Um, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Brendan, for joining for us me. on today's episode and giving us a little bit more insight when it comes to mobile connectivity in Malaysia and in the Southeast Asian region. So that's all for today. Bye.